0: This
1: uh, this is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London, London is Blue podcast. podcast.
0: All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon, joined by my co-host Dan. No Nick, that is right. Wedding Crasher season in full force for him, uh, but instead we have Sam or CFC Central joining us for a Crystal Palace match review. So, Dan. Uh, you and Sam have been doing mega pods right and left. You've
2: kept them away from the rest of us. It's it's nice of you to finally bring him into the the big show. Well, before we get into all of the fun of celebrating Sam being on and a win over Crystal Palace, continuing the tradition of what Chelsea like to do when they visit Selhurst Park, is uh, we do want to say a shout out to uh, anyone impacted by Hurricane Ian. Obviously, we know we plenty of people have potentially. Had some devastating catastrophic situations unfold to their homes, or their residences, or have been affected friends and family, loved ones. So, just uh, thinking about those people in this time. And, you know, I think the also what we kind of do maybe is just mention the fact that this is actually the start of a more formalized relationship with our friend Sam, who's going to be coming to you uh, kind of a couple of times a month on London is Blue exclusively. And so, Sam, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome back to the pod, and welcome to the actual London is Blue family.
3: Uh, thank you so much. I mean, it's uh, it's wonderful to be here and make my post-match debut and to celebrate it with a win. I think uh, it's it's uh, definitely an auspicious beginning. Uh, also have the lovely opportunity to to debut with Brandon, who, you know, right up until now, we've only talked on WhatsApp. So glad to finally see his lovely, handsome face and uh, you know, have, have a lovely conversation. Uh, you know, he's, Dan successfully kept me away, but uh, luckily I'm growing on the other members of the LIVP podcast group, so happy to be here.
0: It was not difficult, Sam. We have been, I think everybody in the Chelsea community has been uh, surprised delightfully by just you crashing the scene with all this analysis. And so all we said was, hey, can we pour a little gas on that tactical fire? Can we Can we see what we can do? So uh, we've got some stuff going on in the background uh, that we're working on, which we're really excited about. Uh, so keep your eye around the AC Milan match. I think that'll probably be our debut of content, but no spoilers. All right. We, we got to pace everyone, Dan, right? We just dropped the famous CFC on Friday, uh, world premiere of the official historian of Chelsea FC, Rick Glanville, and good friend Gary Barone. And now we're about to debut more content with Sam. I'm like, what in the world are our listeners like? They're not ready for season nine. They're, they're clearly not.
2: No, we just unscrewed the fire hydrant and we're just letting it blast at them full stream. That, that's just what's going on here. There is no slow mode for London is Blue. We, we like to live at full pressure.
0: I mean, I've started the YouTube just so we have another content channel to put other things (laughs) that haven't been uh, able to fit in the audio feed. But anyways, uh, I I think everyone can see that we are definitely taking the uh, content game to the next level yet again in season nine, which we're excited about. So uh, we always ask for feedback because literally listeners, you will help us craft uh, what you like and don't like about things. So we are just smashing it out of the park every single time. Uh, But let's go ahead and refocus on Crystal Palace. Again, it is the CP match review, not the Christian Pulisic one. Uh, but we're going to be talking about how Potter produced his first Premier League win for Chelsea. What was it was at some 20 days, 23, 27 days after he was announced. Re- absolutely wild for him. And then we'll talk about how the Reese James supremacy continues to be a cheat code and some special praise from the lad who would not celebrate uh, Mr. Connor Gallagher. But before we do that, Dan, uh, we have our super popular three-word match review. And uh, it's a little bit different. It turns out... The word is out that this is a pretty cool thing.
2: Well, it's fun when somebody says, Hey, we think that you're funny, and we think uh, we're funny, and we'd like to do something together. So, through our match review, presented for the first time by a sponsor, Bird Dogs. Uh, They make uh, comfort from the future uh, attire, pants, shorts, with liners, without liners. But anyway, let's get into those through our match reviews. We had RJ with the pros and cons. Uh, Get it right there, pun. Zarley and Mr. Thurman were on the same page when they talked about Gallagher smashing it or hammer meets watermelon. Uh, If you don't know, just Google it. Comedian. Watermelon. Hammer. Mallet. Very funny. Austin, with the non-defender goals and then the Ron Swanson gif of It's So Beautiful. We had... Stroop with the Shattering Crystal Hearts, Shane with Connor's Crystal Flute, for a very apropos reference to Lizzo this week. We had Simo with the Nick's voice, same old shit, and then Dan's voice, Gallagher Homecoming King, Jordan with the Still His Palace. We had a lot of really good ones. Again, there were a lot of puns around Shattering Crystal, we had a lot about Connor, you know, people were excited. You know, You get a 90th minute winner. People are going to be in a good mood.
0: Yeah, un- understandably. Uh, look, there, as we know, there are some fantastic ones. Uh, likewise, on birddogs.com, go check out their their naming of their products. Gabe Ruth's, Wayne Regretzky's, right? Suburban Myers, uh, Jeff Pesos. It's the same thing right here. And if you use promo code CHELSEA, you will get a free hat on us Go check out our new friends. We know you'll love the names of their products, and even better is the feel of them. I'm wearing the joggers right now, and uh, I am absolutely, probably way too comfortable than what I should be right now. Uh, but our that's th- why the
2: beginning of this podcast has been so loose. Woo, you should, I mean, you see the
0: stretch on these things. Ugh. Anyways, uh, I went with smashing crystal balls. If you weren't gonna put any of these smashing crystal, I made sure to get it in there. Uh, There was a lot of predictions in this match and pretty much none of them came true because of the way things went. So I went with smashing crystal balls. Dan, what about you?
2: I went with Graham didn't crack.
3: Like Graham crackers?
0: Hmm.
2: Didn't
3: crack?
0: Got it. All right, Sam, what about you?
3: Well, I was probably going to go with a little bit of, like, you know, a punny, comedic kind of perspective. I got intimidated by the competition. So I'm going to go with a Milan dress rehearsal. I think... There were a lot of things that we could be watching, you know, come midweek against Milan and obviously two games back to back. And I think a lot of the tactics that um, Graham Porter sort of set up with the team uh, would be with a view to try and counter what Milan are going to come up with. So... Yeah, I think those are my three words.
0: I like it. I like it. Uh, Before we get into the match details, though, just real quick, we're going to have some shout outs to some people that are supporting the pod. You support us. We support you. Uh, Ethan and Steven have joined us up on Patreon. Access to the Discord is imminent. Uh, Make sure you get in there. One of the best Chelsea communities around. Uh, We can verify that. Dan, we have Apple Podcasters and Spotify
2: five-star review updates as well. Two wonderful ones from the U.S., from Dan OI 562 and Midi6, leaving wonderful five-star reviews. And then from Malaysia, all the way from Malaysia, the giving us a wonderful five-star review as well, so we appreciate that. And again, on Spotify, 4.9 on 1,400-plus reviews. They don't give you the number after you get to the the 1,000-plus range. And so, okay, if you leave a five-star review on either of them, helps us out, helps people find the show, lets people know that we're... Worth listening to, and we appreciate that. So borrow a friend's phone, borrow a stranger's phone, but ask politely, just don't steal it, and leave it in a wonderful five-star review.
0: Yeah, I just I just feel like that maybe is a stretch too far. But we'll go ahead and jump in right now to the match review. It was Crystal Palace this past Saturday, the 1st of October. I can't believe it's already October. Uh, it was in the Premier League at Selhurst Park. In case you missed it, Crystal Palace won, Chelsea 2. Goals coming from uh, Edouard in the seventh minute. Uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang leveling in the 38th minute and Conor Gallard in the 98th minute so we're going to kick it over to the Chelsea FC 5th stand app they're going to run us back to see how this went down so we hope you enjoy the highlights if you do, download the app, check it out they got a lot of great content, here we go i seen
1: tons of Michael Olise. every time I do see him play I think he looks dangerous you know, for me he's a type of player old school type of winger if you like Although, you're right, he does seem to be starting from a deeper role today, you? That's a brilliant ball. And odson Edwards slides Crystal Palace in front. Please Lee's <laughs> barely had a touch. Shoot, they say, and shoot, he does. And very well. James it to Kovacic. Lots of white shirts forward here. <laughs> Palace back in number two. Havertz, home fans wanted a foul, Havertz clips it into Mount. and oh, Guaita wasn't moving. Havertz moves it on, Reese James with three in the box, Mount leaves it, Sterling hits it, could have gone anywhere and Sterling pokes it wide off the outside of the post. He's won that though! Yeah. Chelsea on his Premier League debut for the club. Game on. Chilwell was there and Zaha with the shot. Just really at this stage, do we just get bodies forward and put the ball in the box? Gallagher. He'd be one of those bodies you'd want breaking into the box. Here he is. Lovely shifter. Yeah!
0: Dan, excitement when Connor Gallagher throws in a laser bullet to win it in stoppage time.
2: The people oh. did wonder if they had gotten the official laser bullet it's ruling. True. And I feel like I replied. it was going to earn it. 100%. I replied. You know, it's to be like, oh, it was, it was never, curling.
0: Never it wasn't just a screamer. I get it. You know, there's, there's different types of laser bullets. Sam and I will do an episode on it. Don't worry. We'll break it down. But anyways, uh, the lineup, which is the most, I think, uh, anticipated thing that we we're going to see under uh Mr. Potter. Obviously we knew Kepa was going to be in goal, but outside of that, it was pretty much up up in the air.
2: Well, look, you had Kepa between the sticks. It was Ben Chilwell <laughs> ben Chilla, Silva, Reese James, Wilson with Fafana. The, the Premier League site has no idea, much like many people watching, uh, in terms of where the formation actually lined up at points in time. Jorginho, Kovacic, Mason Mountain, Havertz as midfielders, and then forwards of Aubameyang and Raheem Sterling, unused subs, Bettinelli, Chalaba, Kulabali, Azpilicueta, Ziyech, And then you saw Christian Polisic, Rueloft, Loftus-Cheek, Conor Gallagher, and. Armando, Broja, all coming in off of the bench. So, Potter willing to use almost all of his substitutes.
0: Uh, Sam, real quick. I think we all agree that it was a 4-2-2-2 two, two, two with holding sixes. Um, but I think where the Premier League.com got this wrong was that I think it was Kai and a bombing up top with Mason and Sterling kind of as those... Um, wide-ish midfielders. What did you make of the formation and the personnel that he chose?
3: Oh uh, Well, before when I was researching on the Milan game, I was looking at the ways that Potter could be trying to figure out how to undo Milan and... Um, something that he did at Brighton against Manchester United's 4-2-3-1 was use a three-box three, which was a box midfield and trying to overwhelm Manchester United's double pivot. And I thought it, probably it would be something that he would go with, considering we've been using a back three. But surprisingly, he he went with a formation that obviously we've played, played under Tuchel. You know, we've played the 4-2-2-2 against Spurs uh, in the Cup. And... Uh, so Raheem Sterling was also used in a similar role. You know, he was used just behind two forwards uh, in preseason. I think so. I think in terms of using a system where the players were familiar, instead of introducing a completely different one that they might have had a little trouble adjusting with, I think again shows his tactical versatility, his intelligence, and uh, I think it was it was a brave choice to do because he needs to let his players become familiar with the game plan that's probably going to to unfold on. Uh, midweek, so a uh, really, really good choice, I think. Uh, struggled for uh, probably 45-50 minutes, but I think that was just us getting acclimatized to uh, the way that this formation was supposed to work out. So that was my initial thought. I think if there was no Champions League midweek fixture, we probably would have seen something else. But like I said in the three-match review, I think this is just anticipating what we will be using uh, probably two games uh, to come in the Champions League.
0: Well, I, I think that uh, your three-word match review is even more relevant at this point then. Uh, but some of the top-line stats as you get into it... Um XG, Chelsea had 1.1 to 0.4, which we'll get into a little bit more about that later. We had 13 shots, but only three on target, which I will continue to harp on, especially when you see Manchester City having about 27 shots and 27 on target. Uh, Palace, we limited them to seven shots. They also got three on target. So again, that conversion of shots to shots on target needs to get better. Uh, and we had a, a you know pretty big 64% possession. Um, as we walk through the XG, obviously... Uh, Palace getting the early goal, but they ended only with a 0.44 XG. So outside of that goal, did a really good job of limiting them. Uh, Chelsea up with a 1.06. I can't even imagine what the uh, Connor Gallagher shot alone was. I think it was single or like tenths of the decimal
2: point. 0.03. Yeah.
0: So so a a 3% chance of going in. Wow. Okay. Uh, Pretty good. Aubameyang, I'd probably give him a little bit more. Uh, because well, he's proven it, and he's very clinical. Uh, one random stat from at George Smiley: Obese. By the way, yesterday was our first back-to-back Premier League win since March.
2: That's a mind-blowing moment. That, it, you know, when you look back at it, you're like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." But it doesn't feel like that should ever be the case for a club like Chelsea. So, very sobering realization of where we were. You're not wrong
0: with that. Uh, anyways. Uh, that's kind of going to tee us up. We're going to hit our ad breaks. so we can get out of the way because we have a lot to talk about. Specifically, he's talking with Potter's uh, first lineup and how the system went. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. It will be right back. All right, Sam, get ready. This is going to be your moment to shine here because our first topic is Potter produces first Premier League win for Chelsea. He delivers the goods, but it required a lot of hard work to make it happen. Uh, so I pretty much want to figure out what are your initial observations made for how Potter is setting up the team play. Uh, the McLock bot here, thanks to Dimitri, uh, gave us a little pass map of what uh how it went. But I think Sam Graham talked, you know, to the Chelsea FC uh comms team and and talked about how we started we conceded thankfully the heads didn't drop they got back at it but he had to make some tweaks in the second half to continue to kind of adapt the game plan uh to to make sure we got the three points i mean just at a high level how did you kind of view this first permanent match under potter with the with the system the players the personnel and how it all kind of flowed and then maybe some of the changes you felt like he had to make
3: pretty much had an emotional roller coaster i guess watching the first 45 thinking what in the world is happening you know when the first goal goes in obviously flashbacks um you know seriously going back to i mean what's basically become a recurring pattern in terms of Doing well in terms of possession and then, you know, conceding a goal out of nowhere and then having to play, you know, under extreme duress. But in terms of personnel, I think it was, um, you know, some people were struggling. Again, Kovacic and Jorginho we've talked about. uh, Fofana was having, I think, a very torrid time. Committed a couple of uh, mistakes in terms of his positioning, in terms of his aggression. And you could see that he wasn't used to pressing in the attacking third. Something that he hasn't done at Leicester too often, so you know he was struggling in terms of when do I carry it forward, when do I apply the pressure, and make sure that I don't leave space behind for Thiago Silva to cover. So it was just watching him struggle with a new style of play, and I think that's completely normal. But it was great to see Graham Potter, you know, put his arm around his shoulder when there was an interruption and just talking to him, asking for his feedback, saying what is going wrong, speak to me, and after taking his feedback on board, just giving him a reassuring pat on the back saying that it's absolutely all right and then you know asking him to go and and play again with confidence and after that it was you know a complete transformation i think it was just confidence from his manager saying that this is just a part of the process and uh, after that i think he'd made some crucial inter- uh, you know interceptions and and he was really really good uh, the rest of the game so i think um in terms of the system i can't really judge because it's been a lot of unforeseen interruptions, international break, um, you know, with with the enforced break that came in between. I think he hasn't had time to work with the players, considering they also had to go for the international break. But um, just, just to see that, you know, his man management skills are still intact and obviously working wonders. And um, the system, again, was something that uh, I think would have been different considering the circumstances. But just bringing on Connor, asking him to do something against a club that obviously means a lot to him. Uh, Sop Pulisic actually come on in and deliver an assist. You know, it, I, I said this on Twitter. I would buy his book if he scored, but an assist is good enough. It's not bad. <laughs> but Sounds like an audio
2: book to me. Well, no, it sounds like he's checking it out from the library. He's, he, he's not going to go as far enough to buy it, but he'll have to force himself to read it now.
3: Yeah, probably, probably buy it on Kindle or something or rent it out, maybe just, uh, you know, make his pockets a little heavier. But I think, you know, uh, taking on his man and and showing that kind of verb that's been missing, I think that was great to see. So the subs were really good. Um, His man management was really good. Uh, the system obviously will take time to to gel and then for the players to to get their understanding right. Sterling again looks like he's more intent on passing rather than scoring or shooting. I think that decision making will also come with time. But other than that, I think a strong performance, which was, I think, for once, you know, in a long, long time, was actually lifted by the individuals rather than the unit trying to help our performance.
0: You know, Dan, a lot of people a lot of people were pretty upset with his performance. They felt like, you know, there's just a lot to pick at. You know, giving up the goal first, I can understand. You know, but after that, you know, I I thought the team settled well. You know, to Sam's point, I thought that they grew into the match. Um, But what I want to—I kind of, think we've already forgotten because it's been so long since Potter's been announced is that this is only his second match. And he didn't even get that much time with the team over the break because of the international duty. So for me, the fact that we conceded early— didn't drop our heads, then grew as the game went on. And essentially they only had three shots on goal the entire game, right? That's pretty good in the, in, at this level. Um, they, they got their one, but other than that, like this is building blocks, right? You know, Potter changed the formation. He can't change too many people right away. To me, it's like a step-by-step process, but like we haven't been with Potter running these shadow drills to get our passing lanes and formations down. Like you're always gonna have uh, players caught out every now and then in moments because that what haven't played a back four with a four-two-two-two system in in a long time. I know we played back four under Tuchel a couple times, but like it wasn't that comfortable for people. But they responded well.
2: I don't understand. Well, I do understand because people can be critical for no reason other than to substantiate a feeling but there's no reason to me to be overtly critical around what and where chelsea's at under grand potter because this is a team in transition still this is a team that's learning how to play for a manager in a way that he wants and that he wants to enforce his ideas on the team and i think gave them some freedom to try and play a little bit more direct, try to play a little bit more forward. You know, we talked about Potter's interview and kind of we came in that he wants players to adopt a little bit more level of individual risk and hope that the team setup is going to allow for them to be able to recover. And so like the example of Fafana's early (laughs) error – you know, it's something that he grew out of as the game kind of continued to go on, you know, and to take those opportunities to try to do something different, to adapt with one another. It's going to be these moments in games over the next four to six weeks where there'll be wonderful passages of play and there'll be passages of play that people are like, why did we get rid of Tuchel? I don't understand. And it's just a matter of, Showcasing some level of patience, Brandon, which I know is a hard ask for most people. But when you realize that we've gotten now 180 minutes under Potter and you have plenty more that you're going to get over the month of October and into November before the World Cup, this is about making it to the World Cup time frame with as strong a result set up as possible and not losing ground, particularly on a weekend right here where by winning this weekend we made up progress on the top four,
0: Look, which that's is great.
2: Yeah, I, I completely
0: agree with that, right? I, again, we need to see uh, a settled formation, then he can make some tweaks. I think, you know, Sam, a big a big complaint yet again was the midfield, and, and Dimitri's bot here really shows that all they did was pass laterally. They passed to the wing, or they passed to the other center mid. A lot of times they passed backwards. But what we're not seeing in these pass maps are forward passes into the attack thankfully the front four which it became uh were very fluid very dynamic but the missing piece to a lot of this because you talked about transition from defense to offense I thought we did it fast and we did it quickly but there's no midfield engine that is like getting it turning and releasing something um is consistency as consistently as we need uh, it, it's literally when you see the image we've, we've got it on Twitter, it goes to the midfield and it's just a flat line across the field. There's nothing going into the vertical channels. If anything, you're actually seeing, um, Tiago Silva playing these balls in through and even Reese James, which by the way, do you remember a couple years ago when it was the Trent Alexander Arnold crossfield diagonal that everyone just gushed over? We've got a whole
2: section about Reese James coming up. Don't, don't jump, <laughs> jump too far ahead. Just, just. Just remember. So we'll get any, there,
3: anyway, Sam. Yeah, Brandon. Just to add to your point, I think this is this is something that I've been also deliberating over. Um, at Brighton, a lot of the progression happened from out wide. You would often see, you know, Cucurella at at left wing back, and um, Solly March, you know, at right wing back, trying to progress the ball through um, through the flanks and not using the central zones as often in the first phase. Because if you see their midfield composition, you know, somebody like Enoch Mweppu, a McAllister, um, Moses Caissero, these are all midfielders who are, you know, strong, extremely good runners, you know, dynamic midfielders, but they're not really players who you would associate with a role like Jorginho. You know, players who would want to receive with their back to the opposition goal, distribute it patiently, and then move it forward. So I think it's it's interesting to see whether Potter's now trying to move away from, you know, relying only on central progression and then moving towards a more dynamic way where you move it quicker through the flanks, you know, you draw the press inwards. Uh, Jorginho Kovacic, very narrow, sort of like the way City do, you know, using Rotary and, and Silva to just, attract the forward press narrow and then trying to distribute it out wide. I think it'll be interesting to see if the evolution moves to that direction and whether that makes Jorginho's role sort of redundant and also implies that we'll be getting a different profile of a central midfielder come next season. So I think those are the finer points that that we need to to keep in mind. I think the most progressive passes when you look at uh, the McClack pot that uh, you know Chicago Dimitri's been really generous in terms of providing us with is that most of the progressive passes came from the centre back, and it's something that happened at Brighton as well. You know, Lewis Dunk, um, Adam Webster, all of these guys extremely good at playing the ball. You know, up long, Sanchez as well. Somebody who went long very often to well back. So these are all trends that he's used at Brighton. I, I see shades of that. Uh, it's just whether he wants to enforce that blueprint here to make us sort of sl- uh, slightly more like the Brighton side that he's, he's sort of like worked with or whether it's just a one-off where Jorginho and Kovacic didn't really click, click together and it's going to be, you know, a more hybrid approach. But I think that's something that I focused on and hopefully he'll have a couple more sample size in terms of like games to go from and, and understand whether this is going to be a long-term pattern.
0: I, I tell you what, look, I want to dig into... Jorginho had a had a bad day yesterday, I but, you know, at some point you don't really want to fuel the fire... Uh, The fact that he only attempted 39 passes yet Raheem and Mason who are attackers attempted like 34 and 36 respectfully. There's a reason he got pulled off. I think we're going to see personnel changes. I would just tell everyone to give Potter uh, a few weeks to kind of make these tweaks. And I think we're going to see a massively different team uh, at the end of the month after nine matches, by the way, than, than what we saw today, but progress is in the right direction. Uh, And speaking of progress, I don't know if you guys know this, but, uh, you know, Chelsea and strikers scoring goals hasn't really been a thing recently. Aubameyang got his first goal for Chelsea, and it was a good strikers finish. Uh, brings it down off the chest uh, off of a, a cross in turns and and smashes it into the near post. Uh, instinctual finish. Didn't even look up. Just knew what he wanted to do right away. And it's just something that you love to see, Dan. You know, we, we've talked about number nine shirts and all that as we celebrate Tammy Abraham's 25th birthday today. Uh, it is good to see an instinctual striker uh, probably could have had a second, uh, but he was very active uh, in this match as well. Like I said, this is a disciplined system player for Chelsea, not the arrogant kind of acting out player that was at Arsenal, but that's because Arsenal, he was too big for them. At Chelsea, he understands it's a big club and he needs to fit in. You laugh, but I'm serious. Like He was way too big for Arsenal. They couldn't control him. Here at Chelsea, he's surrounded by pros like Thiago Silva um, and even like an Edu Mendy and all these other players that he respects. Um, he didn't have that there. So I think this is why Chelsea are going to be in a really good position with bombing this season.
2: Yeah, you think about the fact that it was... Tuchel's insistence of getting Aubameyang in and his profile, his fit, the fact that they played with one another before or Tuchel had had him on the roster, rather. Didn't work for Christian. uh, (laughs) um, But I I like some of the quotes when he talked about, so Aubameyang's quotes was, when you are a striker, you're always looking for your first goal to score early in my career at Chelsea is a huge relief. Tiago told me, to go inside the defender because he thought Reese was going to play long. Uh, in fact, he did. So I went inside. I turned my body. I used the defender a little bit to create some space. and I managed to find the corner. This is what I like to call a striker's finish. Yes, wonderful there. And then it's a really tough game. but we had, I think we had control of things to get the win, so it's a nice job from the entire team. So nice to see the way that Potter, and this goes back to the man management piece that Sam has mentioned, is just that this is probably not the situation that Aubameyang was planning to find himself in when he signed very close to the end of the transfer window and came in. But it ended up being a positive thing for Potter to get him going, to get the goal machine firing, as it were, so that he can take advantage of Aubameyang's skill set on the pitch. And again, this provides competition to others, whether that's Havertz or Broya to get the level of competition increased so everybody continues to push forward and you know, effectively do better with, in their assignments.
3: And definitely, I think the larger point is that, in, I mean, in terms of what I've seen in the limited time that we've spent with Porter, it's using Havertz. I think he's used him in a role that he's more comfortable with, using Obama Yang as somebody who drives the attention of, of the opposition CBs. Giving him a little more space and room to maneuver. I think when Tuchel tried to use him as a number nine, the idea was good, but obviously when he's got the attention of a couple of CBs, you know, breathing down his neck, couldn't really exert the kind of influence that that he usually likes to. I think we've seen a couple of nice moments, you know, apart from the Germany England game where he was really really good. I think um, we are seeing the fact that he's more comfortable dropping into spaces trying to turn and and make something happen. So hopefully, you know, long-term, it benefits him. I think he's right now he's the only biggest enemy that he has. You know, he's he's probably holding himself back. He just needs to put a lot more effort in. The manager understands, I think, the best position on the field for him. And he just needs to to utilize it uh, to his benefit. So good to see a couple of positions being considered. Jorginho not being played as a lone pivot making sure Gallagher, when he came on, not playing in the central midfield, not playing as, you know, a box-to-box midfielder who, who was, you know, visibly very nervous when he had to perform at both ends of the field. I think when he came on against Palace, looked a lot calmer, looked like he was in his element, you know, in advanced areas where he does his best work. I think sort of reassured him to say, you know, do what you do best and and you saw the results. So good to see that, you know, in terms of, just like Aubameyang, you know, Luckily, he's an extremely versatile forward. He's comfortable playing in two. He's comfortable playing the line by himself. I think it's just Porto looking at somebody who's a veteran and, you know, proven goal scorer and seeing how does he improve the attack as a whole. And hopefully we will see, you know, dividends come in in the next couple of games and through like the next, probably the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, no, again, goals from strikers is, is what you want to see. The the attack, which we'll probably just pump for another time is refreshed to me. I see energy. I see movement. I see, you know, speed of passing. And it turns out even after all that, what we got was a long ball that Tiago Silva knocked down to Yang to score the most unconventional of situations. But again, as Sam says, if Tiago Silva is knowing that this is coming right now, you're just high IQ players. Uh, a lot of communication. Uh, Sam, uh, what language are Thiago Silva and Aubameyang using to communicate?
3: No idea, to be honest. I'm just. <laughs> I bet it's French. I'm <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, but I mean, they were so far apart. I mean, it's it's interesting that you know a, a defender is telling an attacker how exactly he should be posi- positioning himself to score. Uh, but I think it's just his experience that went a long way in terms of telling him, look, you know, the ball is going to come, I can anticipate it, so. Just wait for the right moment. And uh, really, really good to see a number nine finally, you know, just convert. But again, Lukaku scored uh, on his first game. So I'm going to keep my hopes in check. Going to make sure that um, he gets a couple more games to to show what he's all about. And, and he's arguably the best finisher the club has right now. So not really a, a serious doubt. If we can provide him with the right kind of supply, I think the goals will come. Uh, it's just a matter of patience. And uh, earlier this morning, I was just doing a little bit of digging in terms of how the attack looks like and what the output is like. And, and the numbers were really, really disheartening. Um, 18 Premier League teams have a player who has supplied more key passes than our best creator. So 18 of them. So it's it's a little, you know, incredulous for us to understand that the quality that we have at the club you know there are 18 teams that are creating better than us and uh, in terms of big chances i think we're 16th with only west ham nottingham forest uh, aston villa and and one more side probably behind us so we've been dismal in terms of supplying the forward line with the right kind of chances with the right kind of opportunities and um, i can see a little bit of an attempt to you know shift the risk reward balance towards taking more risk in attack like you mentioned you know, a little more vertical, a little little more in terms of trying to capitalize on, on the dynamics of the forwards and trying to tell them, all right, I'll get you the ball, but feel free to do what you like. Don't worry about losing the ball. I think once that organic understanding develops between a team that is just newly assembled, I think uh, long term, it only serves to benefit the attack.
0: All right, hard pivot from front to back, to Antiago Silva. Great overall performance. Uh, Lightning rod for controversy. Controversy. Uh, I thought it was hilarious, honestly. I'm glad he grabbed the ball. Uh, And it was funny to see the Crystal Palace uh, chairman tweet about it as well, to which I said, Iu is so slow, it was not a goal scoring opportunity. And by the way, he was going sideways. So, I don't know, it was fun, but yeah, definitely a villain to hero real quick for Chelsea fans.
2: Well, if you if you do like I do, which is you go look to see what the reaction was from Palace supporters or kind of the neutrals on like the soccer reddit as it were. It was very much viewed as it's a red card. Why is he grabbing the ball? Denial of goal-scoring opportunity. I think that negates the fact that it was a very uh, nice touch in the back that Tiago received before he went to ground, which, I, look, that to me is the reason why it's not, a, it's not an issue because VAR looks back and is like, well, actually, you can't rescind the card because you gave the yellow for it. However... It was a push, and so because it was a push, it should have been whistled, and so it shouldn't be ascending off. And, like, it just creates this whole unfortunate narrative. But, you know what, I I don't mind a little bit of Tiago Silva becoming a villain because he's just so beloved by our supporters and our fans. And, yeah, nice end outcome to what could have been a pretty terrible moment. Because when you looked at it live before you had a chance to play it back and watch it, it very much felt like the, oh boy, this is going to be one of the situations where the machine goes against us. We've used up some loyalty points, and now we're going to be on the receiving end of a unfortunate decision.
0: Again, absolutely hilarious. But what makes it even funnier... For Chelsea fans and uh, added to the, the salty tears of palace fans was that Tiago Silva went on and had the most touches with 129, the most passes with 111, the most long passes, 15, the most ball recoveries, nine, the most final third entries, 17. That's right. He's a playmaker and most clearances with five at 38 years old. Credit to bench warmers uh, for putting those together. That's right, not apt, opt to stats for the first time. Uh, and then talk Crystal Palace on Twitter saying Graham Potter when Tiago Silva blatantly denies a goal scoring opportunity, but he realizes he's Chelsea manager and they can do whatever they want. And it's the um, um, the uh, I forgot the name of the show.
2: Okay, I'll bring I'll bring the reference in for you. It's the boys, the boys, and Amazon. it's Hollander laughing when he <laughs> realizes he can do no wrong, and uh, it's uh, quite quite wonderful to just soak up a little bit of that a uh, little bit of the aggro there.
0: Yeah, no, it it, it was good. Uh, he was uh, again maybe. Uh, started a little bit slow, Sam in the back four, but very quickly turned it on. I was looking at some of the stats again, and Tiago Silva was, was pivotal, pivotal in the defense. Uh, most clearances obviously had a ton of recoveries. And then again, with the ability to advance the ball into the final third, um, uh, you know, standing on his head, 38 years young. I don't know what we're doing here. Sign him up.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, it was good to see our own version of hand of God happen. Uh, to be honest, I thought it was a red. Uh, Nick also thought it was red, but again, like Dan said, once you saw it in the Shocked. replay, I think all <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the balance, I think it worked out really well. But I think I had my, my reservations, you know, seeing the spine insist of Jorginho and Thiago Silva in a back four, you know, not really something that I would advocate to any manager, but just showed his extreme, you know, experience, his calmness, his composure, the kind of switches he was hitting with either foot, you know, trying to find um, the fullbacks up front, it was it was just incredible to see. I think his, his vision, his intelligence, the fact that he's telling forwards what to do and how to position himself, I think just speaks volumes for the man. Couldn't be happier that he's playing for us. Uh, and uh, incredible performance overall. But I mean, we say that week in, week out. So not really a new thing, but really grateful for it.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely great. Uh, just, you know, easy to to celebrate him. Uh, next up, we have the Reese James Supremacy. Uh, he had the late clearance banishing Zaha to the right wing, uh, you know, literally made him switch sides of the field. Uh, look, I, I don't know where you want to go with this, Dan. There's a lot of different ways. He's continuing to just be an absolute force of dominance. The shithousery on social media, just well-rounding uh, his uh, – um, players chart you know when you when you add all of his skills and attributes now you're adding social media shithousery it's just what can't reese do supports the women's team with his sister lauren like the guy just does it all for chelsea we are so lucky to have him
2: he went to watch the women's team play and was like hey we we should do some of that scoring that sound that looks like a good idea we want to start scoring and winning games by multiple goals uh i, I did like one person had the the Uh, you thought thought this was a matchup uh, the Richard Sherman and the Super Bowl element which was uh, quite funny or uh, I think it was a conference game but look Reese is definitely doing a wonderful job he is rounding out his game it's very wonderful we got him on the long term deal and I look forward to him continuing to send people to go play on the opposite side of the pitch because they don't want to go up against him anymore are to see if, you know, from I think probably Vieira's standpoint, Sam was like, well, nothing is going to happen for him on the left wing. So let's just try it on the right and see if something's going to happen, even if he doesn't want to play there, because I'm I'm out of ideas. How do you go around, Rich James? And then the, spoiler, answer, you don't.
3: He was bullied out of the game, to be honest. You know, it, it was, you could see he was visibly frustrated. Zaha, you know, was getting pushed around, was getting fainted left, right, center. It was... I think I've noticed something with Reese James. You know, I think a lot of the games when he's defending, he looks like he's far too much at ease. He looks like, you know, he he genuinely couldn't care less. But you put him up against world-class opponents, like a Vinicius, you put him up against Zaha, and, and you see the more brutal aspects of his game come out. He was constantly talking to Zaha, shoving him behind, you know, snapping at his heels. I think he he's just one of those gamers who tends to think that the game's a little too easy and tries to switch it up, the difficulty to make sure that you know it's more of his competency and and to his level and he just needs a good challenge i think that that brings out the best in him and zaha found out the hard way that you simply do not run headfirst into a brick wall uh
0: n- yes so again reese james absolutely dominant i was going through the fb ref uh stats and like his carries and prog- progressions as well uh it, it doesn't even take an xb's which, you know, Tweeds could have had a couple, I think, in this match as well. Uh, the the whole pocketing memes were out there in, in full force. Saha posting about clout, yada, yada. Like, top to bottom, thoroughly enjoyable weekend. I'm so glad Chelsea are back. Talk to me in a week. I'll tell you how I feel then. Uh, but then the last one we want to touch on, and we're saving the most exciting for last, is Connor freaking Gallagher, the one- who would not celebrate, which is a damn shame because it was a great goal. And for it to come at Palace, uh, the Palace of which he rules over after being their player of the season last year, came back, continues to rule over them. And again, midfielder scoring goals, Dan, is just something that I don't know how to react to. It confuses me, my emotions get twisted up, but I'm pretty sure this was a good thing.
2: Well, we here at the London Blue Podcast are here for you in this moment of crisis where you're wondering, what does it mean when a midfielder scores a goal? Is the world ending? Is it all over? Should I be selling all my stocks, my shares, divesting the money out of my bank account because the end times are near? And we want to assure you that no, the end times are not near. And this is what happens When you play a midfielder further forward who's capable of scoring goals in a position that they're comfortable in, to what Sam alluded to earlier. And so welcome to the new era of Conor Gallagher contributing a goal every now and then, which is quite wonderful. So, yeah, I mean, I think in general... The quote that he had, yeah, definitely one of my best goals. As soon as it uh, left my foot, I was thinking, that's got to go in. Thankfully, it did, and hopefully I could push on from there. Yeah, the goal that had a 3% on average chance um, of going in, you thought was going to go in? I I love the confidence. I love the swag. I don't love the fact that he didn't celebrate. I I think, I mean, that's why the whole, you know, obviously the whole squad really rallied around him at the end. I mean, you got a 90th-minute winner on one of your first couple of outings particularly when you're called in as a substitute to make the difference in the match sam definitely was a special moment for him as he alluded to in his post-match commentary but then really great for the supporters too who were wondering when we were going to get a chance to see that version of conor gallagher who we really haven't had a chance to see at chelsea at this season
3: no for sure i think uh People tend to overlook the fact that he's been at the club since he was eight or nine years old. You know, he used to live near the training ground, and that families Chelsea fans, and and with that comes an incredible amount of burden. You could see when he came in and he got his first start, looked visibly nervous. You know, whenever he came on the ball, he was he looked like he was a little too jumpy, um, and and it was just I think all of us at you know LIBB were sort of like. You know, it's just going to—it's just going to be an initial time where he settles down and gets his nerves in order, and he's going to be just fine. But I think being pushed to a position that he's familiar with, in a role that he's comfortable doing and that he loves doing, I think it was just the perfect morale booster for him. And and you know, credit to him, he he absolutely like made the most out of his his opportunity. And I think from here on, it's up to him to make the best out of it. He's definitely got you know, the work rate, the kind of ingredients that you need, he's still so young, you know, he, by the time he's 23, 24, you know, nobody knows what his ceiling is. I think he's going to be just fantastic. He's an excellent weapon to have, I think, off the ball. He's one of the best runners. He's one of the best, like, box crashers that you can have in the side and uh, really happy to see him make the kind of impact that he did. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say he's the man of the match, but I think a very important cameo.
0: He's the emotional man of the match that just all sent us uh, screaming. Ollie Glanville with the video from the uh, the away stand, uh, limbs, absolute limbs in there, which is great. Um again, there's a couple of different things. You know, he's had the 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 first half red card a few weeks ago. Uh now he's scoring goals. Like he's a young player, he's gonna develop. This is this is the journey. But I think we should all be really excited about said journey and, and what he has uh to offer going forward. So, anyways, speaking of man of the match, how about a Dan of the match? Uh calling all sponsors, Dan of the match, available for you now. Oh <laughs> uh only when we yeah, draw we, we our win. It, Dan makes up his own
2: rules. We can make it a blank. We can make it a blank man of the match or a blank of the match. We can, You'd we can
0: be willing to step to aside?
2: People. Well, for one week, sure.
0: <laughs> Anyways, what did you come up with and why did you uh, still make people upset?
2: Well, I made people upset because I didn't actually put Reese James in there, which would have been the fourth option if I didn't crowdsource it from our, our wonderful, uh, effectively big brains group on uh, WhatsApp. Because I, I, I actually... I was a little all over the place because this match was had a lot of peaks and valleys for players and the consistency level was pretty interesting from players. Um, look, the away supporters, 22%. Always, always an option. Always really the true winner of any day in the match poll. Thiago Silva with 27%. Keppa, who had a really solid game, came up with some good saves, which we... Did not talk about strong distribution as well, 16%. And then Conor Gallagher, the emotional man of the match, the match winner, with the maybe the shortest duration of time from appearance on the pitch to winning day in the match, thirty-six percent.
0: Yeah, that's usual rule of yours that if you don't really like play a significant amount of the match, shouldn't be on there. But
2: I wasn't ready for, like, <laughs> 50 replies. Like, why is Carter Gallagher yeah. not in there, man? I think
0: Obamian got the official Premier League butt of the match or whatever, the king of the match, whatever it is. Um, Kepa's Kepa's an, an the interesting match. one. I think a lot of people are going to say... Dude faced three shots, let one in like he didn't do a whole lot compared to Reese James, which he's naturally heavily involved. But, uh, Sam, uh, we had almost 1400 votes. I mean, this thing is popping off. Where, where did you place your vote? Did you skew the results before your pot appearance? Uh,
3: I did. I actually did. I went with Thiago Silva, but I think after thinking uh, a little bit, I think I would probably give it to Graham Porter. I think he made the right kind of changes. Um, you know, encouraging the players, getting the best out of Fafana. I think, I think he had a very strong role to play in terms of getting the results and, and making the changes at the right time. So would probably be on there, but don't want to make Dan feel, you know, worse about not putting the right option in there. So a petition to change it to Sam of the match, Um, you know, please be put into consideration in due time. But I think, I think I'd probably go with Silva or Jones, one of the two,
0: man. I'll tell you what, Dan getting it from all angles. Don't worry. He is a tough guy. You won't uh you won't break him, Sam. Uh, all right. So some of the other results around the league before we hit the table. Uh obviously the big one North London Derby just a couple of mediocre teams battling it out. Arsenal 3 Tottenham 1. Finally getting their London Derby red card that they deserved against us. Uh shambolic from Spurs Arsenal. I mean, not really that great. Gifts all over the place from Spurs. Uh Liverpool 3 Brighton 3. So it turns out Brighton are still good and Klopp's post-match quotes were something along the lines of we Didn't have, didn't we? Weren't able to prepare for them because we didn't know how they're going to line up. Really, that's your excuse? Klopp is on full destruction mode right
2: now. It's not good. (laughs) It's also not our problem. It's fun to watch. For us, but boy, oh, boy, that was so close to being a truly catastrophic result for them. The fact that they were able to salvage a draw is. Interesting. Well, they gave away. They were winning 3-2 and then let
0: Tresar in again for a third goal.
2: Look, we we may have space against them. We caught up ground on on Brighton. We caught up ground on Tottenham. United got destroyed by Manchester City. 6-3, two hat tricks. One for Phil Foden, one for Erling Holland. The Terminator, the literal Terminator. He's come back from the future to actually torment all of us now. And this is you know has was a good overall weekend for chelsea this is a good overall weekend for chelsea heading into a very pivotal week because this milan derby is or the milan match against milan is going to be a uh, a very hotly contested one and going to be one we need to win. well
0: and wolves just sacked uh bruno Lage, so uh caretaker manager's going to be at the weekend uh newcastle
2: and diego Costa being there yeah Diego Costa and an interim manager. What could go wrong? Well,
0: exactly. They're in poor form, losing uh, 2-0 to West Ham, which obviously aren't in good run as well. Uh, Newcastle smashing Fulham. Uh, sadly, Nathaniel Chalobah getting a straight red early on, which just decimated Fulham's chances in that one. Uh, Everton beating Southampton 2-1. So I think Frank's unbeaten in eight or something like that, albeit seven of them, I believe, are draws. But, uh, you know, he's turning that that sinking ship around, so I guess credit to him. Uh Bournemouth-Brentford, nil-nil. I'm sure that was an absolute snooze fest. Uh, City pumping Man United 6-3. Quite honestly, it was 4-0 at a halftime. The fact that they lost the second half, 3-1, is going to probably make Pep's head explode. Uh, and then Leeds-Villa are playing right now, and Leicester and Nottingham Forest are tomorrow. So we'll kind of see how that rounds it off. But uh, the table as it stands currently... Uh, A lot of teams on eight matches played were on the the side with seven matches played. So there's going to be some makeups, obviously, with the Queens passing and all the different things that were going on earlier this month. Uh, But Arsenal uh, softly in first on 21 points, City in second on 20 points, Tottenham third on 17 points, Brighton fourth on 14 points and Chelsea up to fifth on 13 points. Obviously, we have a match. In hand against the top three, as do Brighton. Uh, the bottom three, like we just said, Wolves struggling. They're on six points. Nottingham Forest in 19th on four points, and Leicester City in 20th, with only a single point. That is right, not looking good. Um, but really not our problem. We're excited for the the climb up the table. we're knocking on the door Sam right you you pick up all three points in the uh the the, the match that we need to make up and things are starting to look pretty good again.
3: I mean, I would have rather wanted the Liverpool game to go ahead. I mean, I think it would have been the perfect time to to face them. Uh, it would have been absolutely fantastic. So I mean technically being five points of of high flying extremely incredible Arsenal I think just you know speaks of the standards of the two clubs I think um, it, it's a good place to be in. A uh, long, long way of the season to go. And I think there's enough time to make up ground. I think there's genuinely a good chance that we end up somewhere on third and fourth. So um yeah, very, very optimistic and um hoping that this continues into into a very, very cramped up October.
0: Yeah. Uh, a lead up to the World Cup, Dan. We got to be in a in a very solid, established place by then. We've got some time, right? We got a as you said, a big October. Nine matches, one down, eight to go about a match every three days or so. I think we go Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, this next two weeks.
2: Yeah, if you were thinking that, hey, it's October, maybe these guys are going to slow down, maybe there's some, a fewer podcasts, maybe I won't have to take as many walks or walk my dog as often, uh, sorry, you're fucked. The schedule is loaded, and uh, we got you covered. So, look, we'll be there with you, We'll be putting in the work just like the team is putting in the work, just like you're putting in the steps or however you listen to the podcast or watch it or consume it. We'll be there with you all the way. Yeah. We're very excited, Sam. Again, welcome to the team officially.
0: More content coming. We're going to be teasing that out, but like I said, keep an eye on that Milan match. I think that's when we're going to drop the first one. Uh but we're excited to just be able realistically just to give you more resources to do what you're good at because you have uh, well-earned uh, the following and the reputation you have. So thanks for joining us for a successful match review.
3: No, I mean, this is the pleasure is all mine. I think whatever level I've reached up until now, I think a big part goes out to you and and Dan and everybody on the Londoners Blue podcast team. So I think it's an absolute privilege for somebody like me to come on and learn from the best. So it's just looking to up my game. I think a lot of scope to produce incredible content and hopefully I can deliver. So fingers crossed going to put my head down and work as hard as I
0: can yeah we're excited and all as are said Chelsea fans but anyways that's gonna wraps up more content coming at you this week but you already knew that Uh, let's be honest so uh hope you have absolutely enjoyed the time on the podcast with us as we're hanging out Um, Dan I think it's time for us to head out we'll try to find Nick bring him back for a pod midweek or something like that sound good that sounds great all right well until next time Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high